Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to This One's a Doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. And we talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Indeed we do. Here we are. Yep. Oh. We have arrived yet again. We have arrived yet again for a special uh, uh, Monday episode. Yeah, there really are no rules around here. For real. Really, the only thing you can count on so far, like as far as rules go with our show is that we upload on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Everything else is just like, oh, hey, I wrote we'll an extra see. episode. Should we do it? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okie dokie. Yeah. So <laughs> just like we're that. back on a Monday. Yeah. Or I say, please, no. You say, please, I cannot. I am unable. <laughs> I need, I need this Sunday night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we could have recorded it last night, but we were like, nah. Yeah. True. True, true, true. Well. Let's not waste any time. Just jump right in. What are you drinking tonight? So against my better judgment, I have made myself a vanilla latte. And the reason is it's late. It is 1120 PM. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is going to be coming out. We're going to be squeaking in to getting this mm-hmm. thing out. For sure. My logic is flawed and I am aware of this. I wanted a hot drink, but I didn't want tea. And that's really what it came down to. So you went for a latte. I think, I think the context is important for the world to know though. That you did take a three-hour nap this evening. By accident. So not only are you hopped up on caffeine, but you also really are well very well rested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, not all of us can be perfect all the time, mm, Kevin. I know. <laughs> Some of us wake up at six in the morning and are still going strong. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that could be. I have no idea. Oh, <laughs> uh, Well. What are you drinking? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we almost <laughs> moved on. We almost did. Uh, I... Still, still have uh, these special on the rocks premium cocktails drinks. I don't know why. There's a lot of S's there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I'm I'm cracking open one more Uh of these. And I think I I think this is my second to last one. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, So I went for a classic, the Mai Tai made with an exclusive rum blend. Of Cruzan, C R U Z A N, Z A N, yeah, Cruzan rum. Uh, <laughs> never had that before. Um, oh, bless. But here we are. So I actually don't know if I've ever had a mai tai before at all. Oh, maybe I did once. You did on your twenty first birthday. That's right. When we went to the steak, the the Japanese steakhouse. Is that where it yeah. was? Yeah, that's right. So I've had one mai tai before. <laughs> I don't remember. That was a long time ago. Yeah, that's ten years ago. It was 10 years ago. That's crazy. You still had a burn on your face. Why don't you tell our listeners how you got a burn on your face? Oh, yeah. Well, one time I was uh, <laughs> roasting marshmallows <laughs> in uh, the front driveway, not compared to the back driveway, mm-hmm. in, in the driveway. And uh, I thought we had um, like the actual metal pokers to roasters, mm-hmm. whatever they're called. We didn't. And so I just grabbed some sticks. Yeah. Thinking, oh, surely this is the same thing. Roughing it. Yeah. Well, the stick that I grabbed for myself was a little bit flimsy. <laughs> and so my marshmallow was roasting <laughs> on my flimsy stick over the fire. And uh, I, I don't know about uh-huh. you listeners. Uh, I do know about you, my love, <laughs> that uh, some people really like their marshmallows blackened and burnt. Mm. Um, I like mine perfectly 
You will spend 15 minutes on a single marshmallow. Yes. It's an activity also. So there's multiple reasons why I do this. It's a means to an end to me. Give me that burnt marshmallow, but proceed. So I'm going to, you know, take my sweet time. Well, due to the floppiness of this dang stick, my marshmallow got a little too close to the flames and was set aflame. Mm. So a blaze even like any normal person. Any, you flung it at your face. No, I flung it up to blow out the fire. And when I f- whipped my wrist upward to bring towards me to blow the fire out, my wrist stopped, but the flimsy stick kept going and smacked me clean in the face oh, and man. left a little burn mark on my <laughs> face, which uh, is healed now, yeah, 10 years healed. later. But it was a very uh, weird time. <laughs> For me, it was because like, people be like, "Oh my gosh, Kevin, what happened?" And, and you're this like, was the story I had to tell that now is immortalized on our podcast. Yes, so that's fine. it. Always just makes me giggle because nobody was actually hurt. It's true, but I have a picture of you with your mai tai that I took, mm-hmm. and you. It's like they decorated it really cute. It had like pineapple, like a skewer with an umbrella and pineapples and like all sorts of cute stuff on it. And you're winking with one eye yeah. as you're taking a sip and your burn, your little burn is there. <laughs> My little burn is just made peeking, a little appearance. Out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well that is a fun story for the ages. Yeah. Maybe uh, just for us, but, but now you need to one up that with a feel good fact, with a feel good fact. All right. Bring it on. So there are vending machines in Istanbul that allow people to purchase food for stray dogs. It costs no money to do so. Only one empty plastic bottle that is later recycled. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't that really cool? I love that. Why don't we do that everywhere? We totally should. Yeah, I love it. The pictures of it are equally as magical as you would expect them to be. Also, I love that they're incentivizing recycling. Yeah. That's a great way to do it. So good. Yeah, I love that one. That's super fun. That is very feel good. Okay, you did one at me. That's that's a good one. Mm. That's a good one. I do well, what I can. Well done. All right. Well, my love, we have made people wait long enough. You have a fresh story hot off the press for us. Yes. On June 6th, 1980, in a small town in England, a man went missing. His name was Zygmunt Adamski, and he was just about as average as can be. What was not average was the way that he was found a few days later. On June 11th, officers were baffled when they received a call about an apparently deceased body resting on top of a pile of coal that was more than 12 feet tall in a locked coal yard 20 miles away from where he was last seen. The weirdest things about the state of the remains were yet to be learned, but it was clear that a mystery was unfolding. And to many people, it seemed as though something out of this world was responsible for Ziggy's death. Hang on, Kev. This one's a doozy. Zygmunt Adamski was born on August 17, 1923, and lived much of his life in Poland. There's very little information available about Ziggy's life, unfortunately, which I didn't explain that. His nickname is Ziggy, so I'm going to call him that for a majority of the show. That's fun. So there's not (laughs) a ton of information about his childhood, but I did learn that he immigrated from Poland to England sometime in the 1940s when he was in his 20s. As an adult, Ziggy worked as a coal miner and would get married to his wife, Lacardia Havalska, or Lottie, in 1951. The couple moved to the town of Tingley, which is a small town in Yorkshire, England. The couple settled down and spent the next almost 30 years building a life together that they were very proud of. It was a humble life, but it was theirs. Ziggy had worked at the Lofthouse Colliery for many years and was actually nearing retirement at the time of this story as well. On June 6, 1980, Ziggy left his home around 3.30 p.m. so that he could go buy some groceries at the local shops nearby. As he stepped outside and began his trek, he and a neighbor shared a quick, friendly greeting, and he continued on his merry way. The neighbor would turn out to be the last known person to see Ziggy alive. When he failed to return home, the people closest to him were immediately concerned. Mm -hmm. Not only was it completely out of character for Ziggy to disappear, but his wife Lottie also suffered from multiple sclerosis. She was wheelchair bound and, I mean, she lived most of her life at home. And Ziggy was her primary caregiver. And so he would have never intentionally left her in a vulnerable position. Mm. And the following day, his goddaughter was also set to be married. And he joyously agreed to walk her down the aisle on her special day. 
I know. He and his wife were hosting family members from Poland who were in town for the wedding as well. So this just kind of doubled the suspicions that something strange was afoot. Yeah. Within five days, loved ones of Ziggy would have their worst fears realized. At Tomlin's Coal Yard in Todmorden, about 20 miles away from home, Ziggy's body was discovered by Trevor Parker, the son of the owner of the coal yard, at around 3.45 p.m. It had been five hours since the yard had last been used, and before that time, there was no sign of Ziggy in or near the coal yard. Trevor called police and informed them of his discovery, explaining that he was preparing to load up one of his trucks, and that's when he found the body in plain sight on top of the coal. He went on to explain that even though he couldn't pinpoint exactly why, he was afraid to be near the body while he was in the coal yard by himself. Like there was something about it that felt really creepy, eerie Mm -hmm. to him, which like I suppose in fairness is not that weird because not it's not every day that you in this kind of profession would stumble upon a a deceased body like that. I mean, just really anybody to stumble upon one would be kind of like... It's different than it's your job. You hear mm-hmm. that there's a deceased body somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so you go there. Right. And you see one, you see, you know, bodies every day. Right. But to like surprisingly stumble upon one, even for those people would be like a little bit traumatizing. Right. And for anybody else, it's like, I have literally never seen a dead body. Well, and it like kind of sounds you know? like they tried to explain it to him in that way. Like, the way you're feeling is normal. Mm-hmm. But he was like, no, no, no. There's something like really, really off and odd. It's yeah. leaving me with a really strange feeling. He also explained to them that the yard has been locked. Mm. I don't know how this is possible. So police were quickly dispatched to the scene and they arrived a little bit after 4 p.m. The first officers on the scene, police constables Malcolm Hagley and Alan Godfrey, were both immediately puzzled at the discovery. The very first oddity was the placement of the body. Ziggy's body was on top of a 12-foot pile of coal that was steep on every side. So it would have been extremely difficult at best for Ziggy, who's literally 56 years old, Mm. to have climbed up there by himself. When Hagley and Godfrey attempted to make the climb, they quickly learned that it was very difficult to get to the top of the pile, and they were both covered in soot when they tried. Mm. It was also noteworthy that there appeared to have been no sign of a struggle or really anything that would indicate that Ziggy had climbed onto the coal pile by himself. Yeah. So he wasn't covered in soot. No. We'll find that out in a second. So Constable Hadley made his way to the top first. Godfrey watched him do so. And when he finally made it up to the top of the pile and looked down at the body, he was stunned silent. A look of complete shock and confusion easily visible on his face. He requested that Godfrey should join him and take a look for himself. So Godfrey clambered his way to the top. And as soon as he took a look at Ziggy's body, he too was dumbfounded by what he was looking at. At first glance, the body was laying face up on the coal pile. And according to Godfrey, it appeared as though Ziggy had just climbed into bed and went to sleep, like the way he was positioned. Mm. Ziggy was dressed in a suit and vest, but he had no shirt underneath. Uh, oh. Yeah, which is weird. And the buttons on the suit jacket were buttoned into the wrong buttonholes, kind of like haphazardly. Uh-huh. His pants were unzipped and also kind of weirdly placed around his hips. His shoes had been sloppily tied and Ziggy did not have his watch and his wallet was also missing. Hmm. These were things that he was wearing at the time that he was last seen. One of the more notable aspects of Ziggy's remains was the fact that even though he had somehow made his way to the top of the coal pile, he was completely clean. Not Hmm. a trace of dirt or soot on his body or clothes. That is very weird. Very strange. So as it's almost as though he'd been dropped Mm -hmm. onto the pile from above. That's kind of how they explained it. And so here's where things start getting really, really weird. The look on Ziggy's face could be described as frozen in abject terror. His eyes were wide open and his mouth was gaping open as if he had died mid-scream. Godfrey would later say, quote, those eyes were staring up at me. I was looking down on him from a foot away. Those eyes sent a shudder down my spine. They were wide open. He had a look of someone who had seen something or someone that had scared him to death. Someone put him on top of that pile of coal and something had scared him to death, end quote. My goodness. I got goosebumps when you started to talk about his face. That's... Very that is scary. Crazy and creepy. That's like like 
in a horror movie. Yeah. When they like, like all of a sudden turn to like a face and it's like mm-hmm. all the violins go, you know, it's like a <laughs> yeah. very like, oh, wow. Okay. I'm definitely creeped out in that. This is okay. Well, and the fact that it was a police constable, I don't know. It, this is kind of a small area. So it's highly possible that he hasn't had to attend many deaths. Sure. But the fact that a police constable, that was his reaction. Yeah. He was really disturbed by it. I think speaks some, it like something into it. Yeah, I agree. I, so, yeah. It also gives it a lot of legitimacy. It's not just like a, uh, like a tall tale that someone, you know, tells like, I stumbled upon this body. It looked like this. And it, you right. know, it wouldn't just be an urban legend. Right. More like it. It's like, this is. This is police business, you know. Right. That's crazy. Wow. So on Ziggy's body, Godfrey noticed strange looking burns on his head around the nape of his neck. And then they would later also be discovered in his like on his shoulders and on his back. Hmm. Okay. The burns loosely resembled chemical burns. On each of the patches of burns was a greenish gooey substance that neither of the officers could identify. Ziggy's hair had also been recently cut, but it was like choppy. And like, hmm. like someone had grabbed chunks of his hair and just snipped it. Very strange. Weird. When they examined his body, they couldn't immediately determine a cause of death, but they were both pretty sure that Zygmunt had not died of natural causes. Hmm. They decided to bring in the criminal investigations department in order to photograph the scene and offer a second opinion. The coroner came in and quickly pronounced Ziggy dead and arranged for the body to be brought in for an autopsy to help determine the cause of death. Ziggy's remains were taken to the Royal Halifax Infirmary, where the consulting pathologist Alan Edwards performed the autopsy. The autopsy was even more confusing than the initial discovery of the body. There were just so many weird things about it. So Hmm. Edwards determined that Ziggy's body had been dead for only a few hours at the time that his body was discovered. He estimated that he had died sometime between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. on June 11th. His face showed stubble that was only a day or so old meaning that he had shaved during the time that he was missing. Hmm. He had not eaten on the day of his death, but it appeared that he had eaten well for the duration of the time that he was missing. Like he wasn't starving. There were tiny shallow cuts on his palms, knees, and on one of his thighs that were described as incision-like. Weird. It was determined that the burns had occurred around two days before he died. The burns did not appear to be random, but indicated some level of precision. Hmm. They were about the size of a penny in diameter and appeared to be arranged in circular patterns on his head, neck, shoulders, and back. They were also not severe enough to have killed him. The green goop on the burns was sampled and sent off to be examined by toxicology, and it was determined to have been an unidentified ointment of some kind. The labs couldn't figure out what it was. Like not even the makeup of it? No, Uh, from what I could find. Okay. I mean, this isn't like the 20s either. This is the 80s. Yeah. So yeah, not I know un- that it's not as advanced as it is now, but sure. I'm, I'm Still, surprised like yeah. not even a single component wow. was ever listed. So hmm. there was a ton of dispute about the actual cause of death and it took like months yeah, for anybody sure. to come to agreement. With the information uncovered by Dr. Edwards and with additional examinations conducted by the coroner, James Turnbull, it had appeared as though Ziggy had died of a heart attack. This is pretty hotly disputed, but many have speculated that Ziggy had literally been frightened to death, a condition referred to as stress cardiomyopathy. Turnbull would go on to say of this case, quote, the question of where he was before he died and what led to his death could not be answered. In my 12,000 cases, this is the most baffling I've ever had. If I was told a UFO had took this man up and dropped him on a coal pile, I would only raise one eyebrow, end quote. What? Yeah. And this is a very experienced coroner. Yeah. 12,000 cases. 12,000. And this one, this one just stumped him. Yep. So while it is pretty much agreed upon that Ziggy didn't do this to himself and that he was most likely killed at a different location and then brought to the coal yard after his death, Mm -hmm. this doesn't really answer any of the more pressing questions. Right. Who or what had scared Ziggy to death? Right. What was the source of the burns? What was that mysterious ointment on the burns? And how the heck did he wind up on top of a 12-foot coal pile? And how was that possible without him getting dirty? Right. 
And without anybody seeing it, it was the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, that's there. All of these things that you're listing are all um, like it, it only takes one of these things right. to make you go, well, this is very strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for all of them to be true is uh, kind of next level bonkers. <laughs> well, and at the same time, it only takes one of these questions being answered to kind of crack the case open sure. a little bit yeah. wider yeah. to make it make yeah. a little bit more sense, you know? Right. But we don't have any answers, only theories. That's crazy. The most wow. popular of these theories, one of the most popular, I suppose I should say, is that Zygmunt Adamski had been abducted by and experimented on by aliens. Of course. That's, I mean, why wouldn't it be? Well, and, and I mean, honestly, I'm not surprised that that's a, a top popular theory. theory. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I mean, all of these things <laughs> uh, are indicative of being experimented on by somebody. Right. And then you get all the other elements of how the heck did he get up onto that pile? And just where has he been all this time? I think right out of the gate, it seems obvious to me that he was definitely experimented on. The question is by who? And I mean, you know, we've talked about aliens a few times on this podcast and I am, I am not a disbeliever in that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to jump to that. Same. And I will say that it's not the only theory, but it was an, and is yeah. one that many people fully embrace as a possibility. At yeah, least. that makes sense. So during this time, Godfrey worked to identify the remains. They didn't have a name on him at first. Um, so after sifting through missing persons reports, he was determined to be Tingley resident Zygmunt Adamski. Yeah. All of the information that they would find about him would provide them with no clues about his death or how he ended up in the coal yard. He was wow. a completely normal average man. He was well liked by those in his community. He had a sweet marriage with his wife. He had no criminal records, no indications of previous addictions or illnesses beyond some soreness and a recurring case of bronchitis from working in the mines. Hmm. He didn't have any enemies and nothing really stood out about him at all. Just a regular old guy. Mm-hmm. During huh. this time, they did learn that Adamski had never been to Todmorden in his life, apart from his body being discovered there. Oh. Nor was he arrested or admitted to any hospitals for medical care during the five days he was missing. Like they checked wow. air, all the area hospitals and police departments and there's no record of him. Jeez. Police had okay. conversations with Ziggy's neighbor, who he had briefly talked with on the 6th before he went missing. The neighbor had nothing remarkable to report. He told them that they briefly exchanged a hello. He said that Ziggy seemed to be in good spirits as they chatted mm-hmm. and was totally fine as he happily strolled away after their conversation was over. Friends and family who were questioned all painted a pretty similar picture as well. Ziggy was well-loved, mentally and physically well for the most part, a loving husband and a hard worker nearing retirement. Mm-hmm. The closest thing to conflict in Ziggy's life was the fact that one of the relatives who was staying in his home when he had disappeared was a little, okay, this is kind of confusing. Okay. So I'm going to explain it the best that I can. So Ziggy's family, it was, I believe his female cousin was staying with them before the wedding in the home. Mm-hmm. She also had their a child with her. Oh, okay, yeah. The husband that the cousin was married to mm-hmm. had been up to some shenanigans. And so she had actually filed a restraining order on him. Oh, okay. And was actually staying with Zygmunt and Lottie. Oh, got it. Like staying, like, staying, like not just term. visiting. Yeah. So while they were sorting that stuff out. So that is one thing that a lot of people will point to. And I'll get into that hmm. in a little bit. Okay. So determined to find answers, police put out pleas to the public urging anyone who may have seen Ziggy between the day that he went missing and the day that his body was found to come forward, along with anyone who may have additional information that may help police figure out what actually happened. Mm -hmm. All inquests put out to police yielded no results, and Godfrey was becoming increasingly frustrated with the case. Mm. So many dead ends, so little answers, and he was never approached by the press for more information about the case, which also struck him as odd. Hmm. As time moved on with no progress on the case, Godfrey would be encouraged to just kind of take the coroner's report, which was listed as an open verdict heart failure, 
-hmm. He should just take that and close the case. Like this is, you don't need to keep going down this road. Like we at least have a medical understanding of what happened. Right. La-di-da. Yeah. Well, and it seems like you can't, I'm sure there's ways that you can, but in this case, it seems like there's no way to force somebody to have a heart attack. Like you're not going to kill, like there's not a murder case necessarily here because a Mm -hmm. heart attack, even if it is stress induced, Mm -hmm. fear induced, like you, that's, that is in a way a natural cause. Mm Mm-hmm. Though all the other circumstances around it is like, this is definitely not natural cause. There's so many things strange about it that yeah. he's like, I don't, I'm not ready to give this up. Right. That's so what it sounds like to me too. So he yeah. was not ready to give it up, mm. but he would spend some time in the next several months focusing on more urgent and pressing cases. But the case of Zygmunt Adamski's perplexing death would remain in his mind. Things basically went back to normal until November of 1980, almost six months after the body was discovered. As a quick side note, these are obviously two totally separate cases, but many people, myself included, would agree that the case of what happened to Zygmunt is like absolutely, to some degree, linked to what would happen next to Alan Godfrey. Oh. Little disclaimer moment. Sure. Okay. So, in the evening hours of November 28th, 1980, Godfrey was being sent on a wild goose chase. For most of the evening, he was responding to calls across town from citizens reporting cattle in their yard, as well as calls from a farmer claiming that his cows had gone missing. Whenever he would arrive to the location where the cows were said to be, there would be exactly zero cows to be found. Hmm. So the more calls of cows on the loose that he responded to, the more annoyed he was getting because there were no cows. Right. So some people say that this was cows appearing on the same property and then disappearing. Others, other hmm. sources that I use said that it was different locations across town. But either way, he's showing up and not seeing any cows, which right. are kind of yeah. hard to miss. So he was starting to believe that this was some kind of prank. Yeah. But the odd thing was that at least one of the reports came from an elderly woman who swore that there were cows in her yard. Hmm. The likelihood of this little old lady playing a prank just seemed kind of far-fetched mm-hmm. to Godfrey. It was a dark, rainy, and strange night indeed, however. As he was driving to respond to another call along a road just outside of Todmerden, Godfrey was stopped in his tracks by a bizarre sight. In the middle of Burnley Road was what he believed at first to be a bus. Okay. As he inched closer to the object in his vehicle, he realized that it was not a bus. The object was hovering silently about five feet off of the ground, with leaves and debris swirling beneath it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Being an investigator, his initial hunch was to attempt to radio his fellow officers to inform them of what he was seeing. But bizarrely enough, both of his radios wouldn't work. Oh. It would only send, like they would only send back like high pitched static. Yeah. Through his device. So doing the next best thing, he pulled out his notebook and began to draw what he was looking at instead. He proceeded to sneak like kind of out of the edge of his car to get a closer look. And then he began to draw a diamond-shaped craft that he described as being roughly 20 feet in length and 14 feet in height. Wow, He made huge. Yeah. Which is why he thought it was a double-decker bus that had, like, crashed because he he was looking at it and it looked like a sideways bus that was, Mm -hmm. like, stuck on the road. Weird. Okay. So he made note of dark-colored paneling on the upper area of the craft. It was floating above the ground and seemed to also be spinning, like, rotating. Mm Mm-hmm. As well, except it was spinning in the opposite direction of the leaves that were spinning beneath it. Mm. Oh, so weird. like the bus yeah. is spinning or the object is spinning clockwise yeah. and the leaves are spinning counterclockwise, which is weird. Weird. So he added more notes about the vortex of swirling leaves beneath the craft because he noticed that all of the bushes and trees above and surrounding the upper part of the craft were completely still. It was like just what whatever was underneath the craft was swirling. Everything else was totally still. which is creepy. Suddenly, Godfrey was struck with a blinding white light. The next thing he knew, he was back in his vehicle, but he'd moved around a quarter mile ahead of where the object had been. When he looked at his clock, 30 minutes had passed since he saw the white light in the road. So there were 30 minutes of the night that were completely unaccounted for. Oh. Which is weird. Like one minute he's standing there drawing this thing, white light, suddenly he's in his car a quarter mile down the way. Yeah. Like... Hard what? what? 
Did he stop the drawing? Yes. I guess that makes sense. Duh, of course he did. But yes, like, he does. <laughs> that's wow. Okay. Very that, weird. Like tons of lost time. Yeah. Weird. Did he have burn marks on his body anywhere? No. No, but there are things that I am about to tell okay, you. Okay, okay. So when he went to examine the area where the craft had been, he noticed that there was a dry spot in the shape of the object right where the object had been hovering above. Mm-hmm. So the rain hadn't hit that part of the road. Oh, so in Godfrey's yeah. mind, this was confirmation that he absolutely did see what he had, or at least what he believed he had, despite the fact that 30 minutes of his memory of the object were currently unaccounted for. He also quickly noticed that his boots had split along the soles, like where the toe area is, almost as if he'd been like lifted up and dragged with his feet pulling behind him. Oh, there was also a burn on his foot, a minor burn on his foot. He quickly made his way to the station where he wrote up a report of the night and of his experience. While he was there, he found a colleague of his who drove back to Burnley Road with him so that the two of them could have another look at mm-hmm. the area and maybe he could have a person to help corroborate sure. that at least yeah. something yeah. was parked here and now it is not. Yeah. So, so while they were there, this is interesting. So there was a dry spot. The colleague confirmed this and just off the road in the field were the missing cows. What wasn't there, however, were hoof prints from the cows in the mud in any areas surrounding the field where they had been found. And there were no indications of how the cows could have possibly entered the field because there was a single gate entrance and the gate was locked and closed. Yeah. So these cows just appeared there. Very, very weird. Super creepy. I mean, this, this is literally like, like a scary movie. It it is. It's a, there's actually a movie. I can't place which one it is, but there's a movie I'm thinking of where it's like, all this weird stuff just kind of keeps happening and they're all confused and like, what? And it kind of has like the very like <laughs> ominous, I don't know what about violins in my head tonight, but like, <laughs> like the very ominous kind of violins mm-hmm. kind of sounds kind of going on and they're all just kind of looking around like, why, why does this keep happening? I don't know. Maybe signs. It's probably not signs that I'm thinking of. Fourth kind. But maybe fourth kind. Yeah. That, that one's weird too. Yeah. That one's creepy. Anyway, yeah, so, that's kind of where I feel is like there's a lot of weird stuff going on and no one knows what the heck is happening. Right. So. Well, and he has this guy with him mm-hmm. who can see that the cows are there. Yeah. Where they weren't there before. And he's like, I'm assuming the colleague would be aware of the fact that these calls have been coming in all night. Because at yeah. this point, it's like 530, 6 o'clock in the morning. Jeez. This has been oh an all night ordeal. Yeah. Wow. So Godfrey and his colleague returned to the station and contacted the farmer before Godfrey finally headed home at 6 a.m. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Exhausted from one of the most bizarre nights of his life, Godfrey pretty quickly drifted off to sleep. Sure. When he returned to work, co-workers had gotten a hold of his report and were kind of teasing him, like about little green men and lights mm-hmm. in the sky. Sure. Not thinking much of it, Godfrey continued work as usual but he couldn't shake the thought that he truly had experienced something completely abnormal. Within a week, Godfrey's story actually was leaked into the local media. And shortly Mm. afterwards, shots would be taken at Godfrey's character as well as his competency in his work. Oh man, that's kind of messed up. As word spread beyond Todmorden, the whole police department was also added to the mockery, which created a definite strain between Godfrey and everyone else that he worked with. Mm -hmm. Shortly thereafter, Godfrey, after being transferred about a million times, ended up leaving his job. Oh. And according to some sources, people on the force in Todmorden had allegedly made attempts to have him committed. Oh my gosh. They're like, something's wrong with this guy and he's causing problems for all of us. Oh, that's kind of sad. It is. It is. It makes me sad. I have not seen that like fully verified. Like I haven't seen like a report filed with a hospital or an institution of any kind, but 
still. Well, right. If he never actually was admitted, then right. it wouldn't have happened. But that's it's interesting because uh, I feel like, well, actually, I don't even have to say that I feel like I know plenty of cops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the things that many of them say that they've seen or recount certain stories or uh, conspiracy theories that they repeat. Mm-hmm. And I know, like you said, this was the eighties. So, you know, whatever, 40 years ago, either way, I mean, there's plenty of police officers with crazy stories, unexplainable things that they've seen. Right. That it just seems odd to me that this would be the one that's like, Oh, he's really crazy. Like, I don't know. I, it well, gives me kind of a weird feeling just yeah, to know that. I completely agree. And we'll also learn later that there are a lot of similar reports in the area. Mm. And so, and his wasn't the only one that like the media had gotten a hold of either. So I'm like a little bit surprised that it was like so volatile. Mm-hmm. Like it just wow. feels kind of like an extreme response. I get that they were kind of like, now everybody thinks we're all quacks and nobody takes us seriously in our work, but like, sure. let's bully someone relentlessly and that'll take care of the problem. Yeah, question that's, mark? that's very, like hard now. Yeah. So even though Godfrey was being viewed as the crazy UFO ex-policeman, it would later be learned that on the same night that Alan had his strange encounter, that three other police officers in the same area who were on a hunt for a stolen motorcycle, uh, they they were looking around Mm -hmm. and they were all stopped in their tracks by a light in the sky that was flying incredibly fast in a zigzag motion through the sky around the exact same time that Godfrey had reported seeing the craft. Like around mm. around like five fifty, five forty five in the morning. That makes me kind of mad. Like I know no one's going to say, "Yeah, I saw some weird stuff too." They're all just going to like hide it until this guy disappears, and then they're going to bring it up. Like that's annoying. Well, and they reported it. That's oh, the other thing that's they confusing. Did report it. Yeah. So I don't oh, know. Weird. How okay. se- like if they withdrew their report? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that are a little bit unclear in like researching this story, but still. Uh, also. This is going to annoy you even more. Oh, good. Two other police officers from the Greater Manchester Police, along with several citizens, also claim to have seen and reported sightings of UFOs on the same night as well, around the same exact time. Weird. In like the same area. Yeah. So what was going on here? Were all of these witnesses lying or maybe misidentifying like a known structure or phenomenon? Mm -hmm. Or... Was what Godfrey had seen completely real? Yeah. So it would be more than a year before this story would be taken more seriously. But for now, let's talk a little bit about PC Allen Godfrey for a moment. Okay. Okay. So according to Godfrey, he had several strange experiences throughout different periods of his life. When he was a small child, he remembers waking up to a small floating light in his room. At the age of 18, he was driving home with his girlfriend at the time, around two in the morning, when suddenly a woman and her dog appeared in the middle of the road. He slammed on his brakes and got out of his car to investigate, but there was no trace of the woman or the dog. Hmm. Later on, when they got home and checked the time, Godfrey and his girlfriend noticed that two hours had passed that neither of them could remember. So more of that missing time, which is strange. Oh, after seeing a a woman and a dog just in the middle of the road. That disappeared. That disappeared. Oh my gosh. Goosies. Goosies and like the chills up my spine, honestly. That's creepy. So another time when he was dating his first wife, she had come to his house to see him and she saw an unknown black dog inside. The dog ran up to her and licked her and was like being all cute. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of casually trotted off up the stairs. Mm -hmm. When she asked Godfrey about the dog and when she offered him a description of it, he was floored. He didn't currently have a dog, but the dog that she had described was an exact description of the dog that he had had for a long time that had died two years ago or two years prior. Seeing ghost dogs and weird. Okay. Wow. Time marched on and he married his wife and they welcomed two children together. By all accounts, life was good for the Godfreys. He began work in the police force and would quickly gain a respectable reputation, earning himself two commendations for his work. Hmm. So like, really, he seemed like a pretty normal guy. Right. Things were fairly uneventful up until he got the call about Zygmunt Adamski's body being found in the coal yard. So Hmm. it's interesting. Those stories are like kind of third hand reports of his strange experiences, but like, 
we've all seen some weird things mm-hmm. and then go on to do normal things. Yeah. Like he just kind of almost like Ziggy, he seems just average. Yeah. Like why, yeah. why would somebody like him be targeted is the question about Ziggy. Yeah. But it also feels the same about Godfrey. Like yeah. he just seems so normal, right. you know? So after the incident on Burnley Road in 1980, Godfrey decided to undergo hypnosis in hopes that maybe he could recover some of his memory or maybe even figure out what had actually happened to him during those 30 unaccounted for minutes. Mm -hmm. He was super skeptical about the nature of hypnosis, but he really did want to figure out what had happened to him. And he was being like advised, Mm. like, why don't you just try this by some people that he really trusted? So he decided to do it. The hypnotic procedures would take place under the supervision of two psychiatrists, one who was a professor of psychiatry at Manchester University and Dr. Joseph Jaffe, another psychiatrist from Manchester who had worked alongside local police in several investigations over the years. Hmm. So neither of them seemed to be quacks. Yeah. yeah like just not normal, trying to be totally insensitive, but like yeah. they both seem pretty well, like well-accomplished, trustworthy mm-hmm. people. So. Yeah. Neither of the psychiatrists knew exactly what experience Godfrey was trying to recall, but they were given a vague description of an event that he believes caused him to block out memories of an event. Hmm. And this is where things start to get even creepier. Hmm. Somehow, he recalled a shocking memory that had been locked away in his subconscious. He went on to walk the psychiatrist through the experience on Burnley Road up until the flash of white light. He then recalled the flash of light blinding him And then suddenly he awoke in a room where he was floating next to another man who he described as tall and wearing a white robe and cap. The man then communicated with him telepathically, telling him that his name was Yosef and that they already knew each other. But Godfrey didn't recognize the man. Hmm. Suddenly, eight three-foot figures that resembled robots came into the room. He described them as creatures about the size of five-year-olds with heads shaped like lamps. Oh, so things like that. If things like that exist, what are we doing? So the creatures attached some kind of like rope to Godfrey's leg and then on the arm on the opposite side of his body, which he recalled as being very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. They then instructed him to lay down on a table where they began to take off his shoes and look at his feet and toes. He also recalled a strong smell that filled his nose. So whatever this examination was. I'd like no part in it, mm, please and thank yes. you. Yes. Wow. So when he woke up and learned this information, Godfrey was kind of like a changed man. While he couldn't ever be fully certain whether or not this encounter had actually happened or if it was just like some horrifying dream induced by hypnosis, mm-hmm. it did open his eyes to the possibilities of this strange world that we live in. Wow. His personal life was deeply affected by this information as well. He developed alcoholism for a time, and his first marriage actually ended badly because of all of this. The once lauded policeman had seemingly lost everything, but that didn't stop him from continuing on. It would be a year after his encounter on Burnley Road before ufologists and press would look at his story a little bit more objectively, or at least with more of an open mind. Mm -hmm. His story, along with what had happened to Zygmunt Adamski, picked up steam and left people puzzling over what could have happened to either of them. So we're going to spend a few minutes talking about some theories and then we'll wrap up on what Godfrey did with his life after the encounter. So these theories range from freak accident to wrong place, wrong time, all the way to like supernatural. Hmm. So we're going to talk about a few of the potentially normal explanations first. The first is that Ziggy had become overwhelmed with his life and so he had staged his disappearance. During the time that he was gone, he managed to take care of himself but ended up dying in a freak accident, such as like falling into a coal truck that had unloaded into the coal yard where he was discovered. Mm -hmm. This is a tough one for me to buy completely for a few different reasons. One, Trevor, the coal yard owner's son who discovered the body, had stated that there had been no deliveries to the yard that day and that the yard had been locked up for the several hours leading up to Ziggy's body appearing in the yard. Hmm. Given that and the time of death being between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. on the day he was found, it just doesn't really seem extremely likely. Yeah. It was locked yeah. from like either 10 or 11 in the morning until he got there at 4 hmm. or 3, 345. Yeah. So it's just, I don't, that would be a, unless a coal truck 
like rammed the gate down, right. <laughs> which you would have, there would be evidence yeah. of that. Or someone, someone just let them in without writing that down or letting anybody know that just seems just as unlikely. So, right. <laughs> the idea that he had ended up in a coal truck doesn't explain his weird manner of dress either. True. So many people have described this like haphazard way of being dressed as if someone who didn't know how to dress a human had tried their darndest to dress <laughs> Ziggy. Yeah. It also doesn't explain how he was on the pile and had not a speck of coal dust on his clothes or skin. Mm -hmm. Several people have checked, and at this time, there was not a delivery route going from Tingley to Todmorden anyways. And so that mm. seems to me just to be another factor that kind of leaves me doubting that this is what actually happened. Yeah. We also need to consider that he absolutely loved his wife, and though her care was constant, it did sound like he did it happily. And like with so much love. So mm -hmm. I just, I know that people change. People have a sudden snap. Um, I know that these kinds of things can happen. Yeah. yeah. And they do, unfortunately. But it just seems so out of character mm -hmm. for him to have just ran away and then accidentally died. Right. During his trek. So I don't know. I'm yeah. not, it's, it's one of those things where it's like not impossible, but yeah. it doesn't seem all that likely. Like you would have to jump through a lot of hoops for this to be like, oh yes, yes this fits perfectly. Everything would have to be just so. Mm -hmm. And that's, we know that that never happens. I can <laughs> like, say it's possible, but sure. it just doesn't seem sure. very probable. The odds of that seem just about as low as yeah. aliens coming and snatching them up. Well, and once again, to me, you haven't even addressed the burn marks. You haven't mm -hmm. addressed, um, I guess you did address the weird clothing. You haven't addressed the the haircut. Like there's right. elements of these of, of, of all this that don't even come close to addressing all that. So right. yeah. Keep on going. Keep on going though. So some people speculated that he may have jumped from a train car because there was a train station next to the coal yard. Hmm. But once again, if he'd done that, there would have been some indication, like a right. cut or a bruise, right. a broken bone, etc. Others wonder if maybe family drama could have something to do with Ziggy's death. Hmm. So I briefly mentioned this, but the family that was staying with him and Lottie were there for the wedding, but they were also there because of the restraining order that the wife had taken out on her husband. And Ziggy had offered them a place to stay. Yeah. So many believe that this family member, the man who had the restraining order against him, had kidnapped Ziggy and held him hostage and potentially tortured him for some time. Yeesh. Which could explain the haircut. It could explain the burns potentially. Yeah. Doesn't explain the ointment necessarily. Right. Unless it was like some homemade little like concoction or salve to try and like yeah. heal yeah. it. But like, why would you torture someone and then like heal their wounds? That doesn't make any sense to me. And it doesn't yeah. explain the incisions. Like that feels like too, there would have to be, you would have to be restrained yeah. to get in incisions that well, are like identical on both hands and yeah. knees. I don't know. And you're getting into kind of a weird territory of torture mm -hmm. that I, like, I don't know. That just doesn't seem all that likely that you would torture somebody and then try to put ointment on them yeah. so that you can maybe torture them more or right. whatever. Like it just doesn't yeah. make a whole lot of sense. I agree. So the idea that kind of follows is that when Ziggy died from a heart attack, from like the stress of being tortured, this person had looked for a place to hide his body so they wouldn't get caught. Yeah. There are once again, just several things that just, they just don't add up. We also mm -hmm. need to consider the fact that he had been shaven during that yeah. time. Why would somebody kidnap someone, torture them, but also feed them and shave them? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. He only had a day of beard growth at the time. Mm -hmm. Like it's just so weird. So also- there were no ligature marks or any visible injuries apart from the weird circular burns and those like little cuts. Yeah. And there would have been some level of like rope burn, mm -hmm. any kind of ligature marks like that. He'd been restrained. Wow. So how would you also, how would you torture someone without restraining them? Yeah. So I don't know. They, the burns were described as being too large in diameter to have been caused by cigarettes. And that also, it once again wouldn't account for the mystery ointment that couldn't be identified in the lab. Yeah. Hmm. Also, how on earth would it have been possible for anyone to have dragged his body to the top of a 12 foot coal pile undetected in broad daylight without disturbing the pile of coal at all 
or leaving mm-hmm. any footprints or drag marks from dragging a body through the coal yard. Yeah. Why would someone pick such a precarious spot when they could have just disposed of his remains in about 100 simpler ways? Right. All of that to say, when Zygmunt's family was later interviewed by a UFO group called Bufora, they agreed that this was the most likely scenario. His family does believe that this is what happened, that he'd been kidnapped and held somewhere like a barn, Mm -hmm. tortured, and then he had a heart attack during that time. The kidnapper then disposed of his remains either directly into the coal yard or in a coal truck, which dumped him into the yard. Sure. I, all the things I've already listed. Yeah. I, I have a hard time with it. Yeah. Cause it doesn't fully, once again, does not fully fit. And I feel like if you, if he was going to be dumped in the coal truck, it just doesn't seem super likely that he would end up right on the top Mm -hmm. of the pile. Like Godfrey described it as though he had climbed to bed and laid down. Yeah. He was just laying there. Just going, yeah. On top of it with no dirt and dust. So it just seems there would be some other indicator. Right. You know what I mean? Hmm. I don't know how I feel about it. I 100% want to be respectful of his family's thoughts because this is once again not impossible. There are just a couple loose ends that I feel like this theory like doesn't fully satisfy. Yeah. In my opinion. I think that's fair. I I also, it, it leads me to wonder... Um, how much of a mastermind someone would have to be mm-hmm. to do it in this way that they would go, they would go and not be caught. Mm-hmm. Nobody would hear like a tortured person's screams. Right. Well, and it seems odd that we wouldn't see it more like mm-hmm. for someone like that guy to just to just go after Ziggy and nobody else in the family just mm-hmm. seems kind of like if, if he were to get away with it, why wouldn't he do it a second time or a third time? Well, until- and there there's obviously potential that the yeah. family believing that this theory is the most probable. They might just have information that they never released to the public. Fair, that fair. is highly, highly possible. Yeah, that's a good point. And so I want to respect the fact that we don't have all of the information that we could potentially yeah. on it for the reason of privacy. They can say we, we know, and that's all that matters. Exactly. I can respect that. Yeah, and so fine. I'm fully willing to say mm-hmm. that that is highly probable. And if the family believes it, it gives it more credibility to yeah. me. Yeah. So another theory is that Ziggy was running from someone that mm. he saw the coal yard as a perfect place to hide. And then he climbed on top of the coal pile. From there, there are a few different theories as to how he ended up dying. One is that the coal had internally combusted and released gases into the air that he then suffocated on. I learned that this is a thing that can Mm. happen with coal where it actually like can ignite from within a pile and then slowly burn on its own. The trouble that I have with this is that I don't understand how he would have then died from a stress-induced cardiac event Mm -hmm. and not from being poisoned or burned more severely and in more random spots on his body. Like, there seemed to be too much precision to the burns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it didn't appear as though there was any indication of him inhaling something toxic in his lungs. Hmm. Like, I feel like they would have found that. Right. If that was, like, during the autopsy. Because there's two autopsies at least. Yeah. So. Well, and they would do toxicology if that was a possibility. mm -hmm. They would say, oh, we should see if he died from coal combusting. Like, Mm -hmm. Like because I think it. I think it emits carbon dioxide or monoxide. Yeah. Whichever one. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there would be some indicator if that was the case. Like, and there, like if he had inhaled it, there are physical symptoms Mm -hmm. that would align with it a little bit. That would make sense. Mm. So there was also no indication of any type of combustion or fire when police and EMS arrived on the scene. And Trevor had insisted once again, that the doors were locked when he wasn't on the property that day. Mm. So, not impossible. I mean, just, there are like, just yeah. as a additional disclaimer, there's about a million variations of mm-hmm. all of these theories where yeah, people address yeah. very specific things like about his haircut or about his clothes and how this makes sense, but this doesn't. Sure. That's kind of the gist of those yeah. ones. Hmm. So, yeah. I I am certainly unconvinced on all of those so far. Mm-hmm. I'm also very much wondering just like what what would cause anybody to 
jump to any conclusion that wasn't he's been tortured by somebody else. Because of no physical injuries besides the burns. Well, that's fair, I guess. Okay. That's I can understand that. It's it just still seems like those are such a smoking gun mm-hmm. for that, at mm-hmm. least to me. But like you just said, like there there's any number of other reasons and people have specific re uh, uh answers to certain questions that yeah i'm i'm yeah well they're also one thing that is a little bit tough is that i don't know if i just couldn't find them but i have not been able to find any pictures of the burns Hmm. and so i feel like we're kind of taking a lot of a lot of people just kind of at their word and like what the reports were that like those are fully accurate which we don't have any reason to believe that they're not accurate yeah that would Um, be weird if there's falsified police reports and falsified uh, articles uh, and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, but, like the size being compared to like a penny ish doesn't mm-hmm. rule out something like a cigar, I suppose. Um, sure. And the pattern could just be somebody being really cruel, but then why treat it? And they also yeah. like, they weren't dirty. Like they were not dirty at all. They had been cleaned. And then there was that goopy stuff on the top. Hmm. So I don't know. It's yeah. just weird. All of it's just so totally. weird. It leaves, it leaves many questions unanswered. Totally. And seems like nothing totally fits perfectly. So, okay, let's move on. There are some folks online who wonder if the KGB had something to do with Zygmunt's death. Wow, that would be, that's another next level kind of, that's almost as crazy as aliens. For it me. is. Huh. I don't really know why people believe this. I just see it kind of casually mentioned in a few places. Yeah. And so I'm not really going to spend any time on it, but that's a theory that's out there. Wow. Others wonder if maybe he was struck by ball lightning, which we talked about, I think, in Dialogue Pass, mm-hmm. which, again, doesn't really make sense. How would that account for a his lot clothes, of, yeah, his yeah. hair, all of it? So yeah. that one kind of leaves us with more questions. One of the more popular theories is that, like I said before, Zygmunt had been abducted by aliens who experimented on him, ultimately resulting in his death. Yeah. Supporters of this theory believe that it explains all of the oddities about the state of Ziggy's body when he was found. The burns, Mm. the mystery ointment on the burns, the haphazard manner of dress, the choppy haircut, the fact that his body appeared as if it had been dropped from the sky onto the coal pile, and the look of terror on his face. Yeah. Many who support this theory believe that while he was with the aliens, that they placed him in a state of suspended reality, which they believe accounts for him remaining fed and clean during the five days that he was missing. And that if they like unfroze him shortly before he died, that that would explain the minimal facial hair, the Mm. food, like the fact that he had been fed and the look of terror on his face. Yeah. This theory is bolstered by tales of UFOs in Todmorden and surrounding areas in Yorkshire that are considered to be UFO hotspots. Oh, crazy. I could probably make an entire full-length episode about all of the different known sightings in Yorkshire specifically, um, and like West Yorkshire Mm -hmm. specifically, fast-moving orbs, mysterious lights that split and fly off in different directions, reports of lights in the sky followed by encounters with humanoid creatures. Yeah. Alleged wow. abductions and plenty of sightings similar to Godfrey's in November of 1980. Jeez. Like I literally was just like looking and looking and looking, yeah. scrolling and scrolling because there's so many. Hmm. And also there are similarities between what Godfrey was able to recover with hypnosis yeah. to other very famous um, abduction hmm. tales that I'm sure <sighs> at some point we'll, we'll cover because there's a lot of really famous ones. Sure. Yeah. So- On top of all of these reports and on top of Alan Godfrey's encounter and the other reports made on that same night, another extremely famous UFO report out of Yorkshire is the Ilkley Moor alien, a story that is actually pretty similar to Godfrey's sighting. Hmm. Okay. So in December of 1987, so only seven years after Godfrey's, a retired police officer by the name of Philip Spencer was walking across Ilkley Moor to go visit a relative. It was a walk that he had made many times, and he was very familiar with the area. He also always brought his camera with him because the Ilkley Moor is extremely beautiful, and so he enjoyed capturing photos on his walks. Hmm. On this particular day, it was foggy outside, and as Philip was walking, he noticed a figure standing in the fog in front of him. 
Assuming that it was another person out enjoying a walk on the moor, Philip didn't really think much of it at first. But as he got closer, he realized that whatever it was that he was looking at couldn't possibly be human. Oh, geez. He claims that the creature was gesturing at him in a way that was like, hey, like, stop, don't get any closer to me. This freaked Philip out, and so he quickly snapped a now infamous photo before it turned and began to run away in the opposite direction. Philip actually (laughs) tried to chase after it. (gasps) What? When suddenly, a craft with a dome top rose into the sky before taking off. Amazed and horrified about what he'd just seen, Philip booked it to his father-in-law's house, and when he arrived, he reflexively checked the time. A whole hour had passed. Oh my God. That like wasn't accounted for. Yeah. Like he knew how long this walk would take. An additional hour was tacked onto that. So what on earth had happened during that missing hour? Philip went on to have the photo analyzed and the figure in the photo has been ruled as undetermined. No way. Throughout decades and countless analyses performed on the photo, nobody has been able to successfully identify what the creature is, but it has been verified as an authentic photo making it one of England's most important pieces of documentation of potential extraterrestrial life. So I'm going to share that photo on the Instagram. That is crazy. It is crazy. That is also like a very zoomed out version of that story. Sure, sure. But I wanted to include it as soon as I read it. I was like, oh, that's the one I want to (laughs) share. So after decades of ridicule and frustration, Godfrey eventually accepted that what he had seen was real even though he didn't and still doesn't know exactly what it was that Mm -hmm. he actually saw. Sure. He went on to get remarried in 1995 and has since written a book called Who or What Were They? Hmm. He appears in and has appeared in countless interviews over the years, recalling his experience to those who will listen. And while he's not fully convinced that he was an abductee or that what he had seen was for sure a UFO, he also believes that he can't rule it out completely. Yeah. As far as Zygmunt Adamski goes, although his case is still technically unsolved, it is certainly not forgotten. Hmm. People who lived in Todmorden and Tingley and like live there now still talk about it to this day. Many people who were members of the press and even just members of the community at the time of Ziggy's death and like during the strange year that followed are still just as intrigued and troubled now as they were back then. So if there's any theories that I missed, or if you have an opinion, please let us know on social media. Mm-hmm. And that is what I have for you today. Wow. Isn't that so bizarre? That is bizarre. Bizarre is a great word for it. Because I feel like I'm I'm very satisfied hearing some of the story in like the sense of like I'm in awe and creeped out. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm also very unsatisfied because there's so little information that leads to like any sort of closure anywhere. I know. I hope Very, truly, truly, I hope as awful as it would be for Ziggy to have died in a situation where he was being tortured. Mm-hmm. I honestly hope that if that's what it was and the information that his family may have that we don't like that they would have closure because yeah. I really yeah. feel sad for them. Um, but I just don't know exactly how I would feel if it was yeah. someone that I loved so I wanted to be really careful yeah. with how I told this, yeah. but it's so bizarre and so compelling mm-hmm. that I wanted to I wanted to share this one. Wow. Well, thank you for listening to the unusual, unsettling, and unsavory story today. Far and away unusual. Oh yeah. Like easy. Yes. That's whew, crazy. Make sure that you are subscribed to us on whatever your favorite listening platform is and that you leave a glowing five-star review that helps other people find this podcast. And follow us on all of our social media pages. We are on TikTok at This One Is A Doozy, on Instagram at This One Is A Doozy, on Facebook, This One's A Doozy Podcast. And you can catch us on uh, email at thisoneisadoozy at gmail.com with any suggestions or requests. And you can connect with us in one other way. What is that, my love? That would be over on Patreon. So you can follow the link in our Instagram bio or in our Facebook about section, or you can go to the app or website for Patreon and search This One's a Doozy podcast. So for $5 a month, you can support our work that we're doing on the show. 
and you'll get access to polls where you can vote on episode topics, as well as helping us decide which charity we will give to each month. Mm -hmm. And February giving is alive and well over on the Patreon, if that's something you're interested in. And we do have an exciting little additional perk that we'll be announcing on Thursday. So stay tuned for that. Okay, cool. Yes. Wow. Well, thanks for listening. We will see you later on this week for another doozy. Bye.